All right. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, whatever day you're listening this on. This will be released on a Saturday. So if you're listening to it on a Saturday, happy Saturday. I'm here with my friend, Didi. Didi, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. I'm tickled to be here with you. I'm so excited. I'm excited that this can happen today and that um, all the stars aligned and we were able to talk about life and military life and how to fit God into all of that. And I'm just, I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too. Me too. And you're like continuing kind of the theme of your life of moving a whole lot. uh, And you just moved and you're in a brand new house right now. So that's exciting. Yeah. We um, decided that we wanted to, we live in Colorado Springs area and wanted to come down and spend some time over the last eight, nine years. We've been doing that to spend time with our grandkids in San Antonio. So about a year we've been looking for property, couldn't find it, went home back to Colorado. And within three weeks we saw a house and bought it down here in in Bernie. So yeah, it's pretty like, Oh my gosh. So yes, exactly like the military life. Hurry up and wait. All crazy. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? So I've been married almost 40 years. I have two uh, adopted children. They're adults now, both married and providing grandbabies, doing exactly what they're supposed to. Um, and then uh, I grew up as a Navy brat and was an Army wife. Um, so Army, Navy day football game, not a good day in our house. I don't know. <laughs> um, since I've been an Army wife longer than a Navy brat, I decided to go Army. <laughs> Very good. And um are you still living the military life or since retired? We, we are retired, but it's still the military life. Like you never quite get away from it. Yeah. Just moving this new neighborhood, we um, almost all of our neighbors are retired military. So we have that in common. And so it gives you that bond no matter where you go. You know, so yeah. it's, it's really nice. Yeah, for sure. And what do you do for like your regular nine to five? So my regular nine to five, I have three different jobs um, and uh, not all of them pay well, but (laughs) they're fun. So I'm a wedding officiant in Colorado and love that. I actually did 40 weddings in 13 months. Wow. I I it out and uh, loved it every minute of it because it's so neat to be able to see the people's faces. Like I have the best seat in the house. I get to see the husband and the wife right there. You know, like when he winks at her or she smiles or whatever, it's like, I'm right there. So it's so much fun to do those. And then I'm a writer and speaker. So I've written a couple of books. And then um, also I work for a Christian publishing house, Cross River Media. And I am their author relations coordinator. That means I am the cheerleader for the authors. I hold their hand through the about two year process of, you know, from beginning of manuscript to getting it to the market. Oh, that's awesome. And like, as you're describing those things, I just like sing like, yep that that fits yep that sounds that sounds just about right for you and your personality and uh just the energy that you're exuding it it feels you know just about right yeah every job I've ever had had something to do with chatting now I don't know if it was in the um actual job description or if I just kind of made it about chatting but yeah um, and connecting that's my my heart is about Mm -hmm. connecting yeah as strengths finder are you connector <laughs> uh yes actually yep i am yep. <laughs> i thought i was a woo but um come find out i was not a woo i was quite disappointed but then i realized no that wasn't my strength i have other yeah. strengths so yeah yeah for sure so take us through a little bit of like what your day-to-day life looks like and how how, how do you 
incorporate your faith into your daily work and what that looks like. And even in the military, talk a little bit about that and like what, I mean, y'all move a lot. <laughs> I've actually, this is our 51st house I'll live in. I've lived in 50. And so I've moved around a little bit more than you know, a lot of people did, but um, yeah, it was quite a bit. Um, so day to day. So I grew up a, a non-believer and my parents didn't go to church. They, they had both grown up in the church, but didn't really share that with us. And I think part of that problem was because we were military, it was hard for them to get connected. It, it really is. You have to be very intentional about it. It doesn't just sort of happen. You know, I, I think that way with everyone, but especially with the military, because you, every two or three years you're moving, you know, or three right. or four years. Spending. And so it's hard to get, some people have a harder time getting connected. And that was my case, I think, with my parents. And then um, for me, um, once I married my husband, we were believers. And so we always, that was like our first thing that we would look for. It's like, you, know, you get your orders or you say you might be going someplace. You look online or you, you know, call people. Hey, do you know somebody there? So for that, um, that was important you know, to do it that way. But as far as putting things in my daily life, I work for a Christian organization. I write Christian things. Um, the only part that really isn't is I marry people that aren't aren't Christian believers. Mm. And they know, though, that my faith. And so it's kind of neat because a lot of times they'll ask me questions. It gives me an opportunity to say, you know, we've been married almost 40 years and this is why it works. And we have a great marriage, me and my husband, Seth. And um, so it's kind of neat to have that as an example to be able to kind of lead into talking about God. Yeah, my gosh. And I could go on a separate rampage about like how much easier marriage is when you are both believers and stepping mm -hmm. into that because it just makes things a lot easier and a lot more centered because you're going for the same thing when, you, when you're married to another believer. So yeah, definitely. We, um, a lot of the people, not a lot, probably about a third of the people that I marry are not believers or not strong believers. And so funny, cause I still pray for them, pray over them, you know, not with that, their knowledge necessarily, yeah. but I pray whoever I want, you know, so I, at home, I'm right. praying for them and their relationship. And um, I have a goal that none of the people that I um, officiate will ever be separated. So that's my, I don't know if they will, cause I don't get in touch with them, but that's my hope. Mm, that's beautiful. So tell me a little bit about your, your job of working as author relations, what's the title? Author relations coordinator. Coordinator. Yeah. I was going to say coordinator, but I like yeah. author relations coordinator. And you said you work for a Christian organization. How much is your faith intertwined and like your ability to practice and like minister your faith in that? So uh, I work, my job was created just for me. I met Tamara Clymer, who is the publisher for, and she's the one who started the company. There's only three of us actually that work for the company and we're all in three different states. We have an editor, Deb Butterfield and, and Tammy. So I met Tammy at a Christian writers conference one year and we just connected. We both are, are adopted moms and, you know, just all these different stories. And so the next year when I saw her, I mean, she was on my heart all year long. So I thought, you know what, when I see her next time, I'm going to ask her a question. So we're sitting around the you know fireplace and I said, Hey, can I, is there something I could do that I, where we could work together? You know what I mean? Not so that she'd have to pay me. I just wanted to be in relationship, you yeah. know, around her. Cause I just loved what she did. And so she thought about it and she was like, okay, you know, she came up with this author relations because she really needed somebody to, you know, to um, connect with them. And that's how my faith really worked for me 
in my job is because I am a strong believer and pretty much everything I say has something to do with being about the Lord or, you know, every conversation somehow or another gets brought around to that. And right. it's great to be able to just be an encourager. You know, sometimes, well, not sometimes writing is a very lonely um, job, you know, and so yeah. we've got these authors and a lot of them are very introverted to start with. That's um, I'm one of the weird ones as an extrovert, but <laughs> typically you're either a writer that learned, that has to learn to speak to promote your book or you're a speaker first and then you have to write a book so you can get contracts to speak. Mm. I'm the second one. So I'm, yeah. I was a speaker first. <laughs> and um, so, which is good though, because I encourage the ladies. I'm able to um, pray with them. I always pray with them and just, you know, I check in with them. You know, it's like, Hey, how's life going? And, and so those whole conversations are just like sitting down and having coffee with your friend, you know, your, your Christian believer friend. Um, and they're all at different levels. Some of them are really strong Christians. Some are, you know, newer. And so it's kind of neat just to be able to, to mentor them really. Uh, yeah. I wanted to call myself the uh, writer wrangler because, you know, I lived in Colorado, so I'm thinking writer right. wrangler, but uh, they were like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to be a little bit more formal than that. Yeah, exactly. And I probably fall into the small, like 1% of authors who are actually very extroverted. Yes, um, yes. I'm right there with you. So um, I feel that, um, and I think also it might depend on like what um, genre you yeah. write in. Cause I found this might be stereotyping, but I found fiction authors to be a little bit more introspective and oh. then nonfiction authors to be a little bit more out there. Yeah, 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 definitely. I write both. So I'm kind of like, you know, a little uh, double brained or whatever. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you were in the military and traveling around, you said that, you know, you were making finding kind of a faith community a priority. What did that look like for you? And how did you, you know, kind of for a temporary season, find your people? Yeah. So one, one thing that always that we did was we never looked at it as temporary mm. uh, because we know where we're all going, you know, and so I'll get to see him up in heaven. We'll get to celebrate and, you know, laugh and joke. I think, I don't know if we'll get to laugh and joke, but that's in my extroverted mind. That's what we're going to be doing is having fun. Yeah. Um, but we always looked at it as like, we're planting roots as quick as we can um, just really putting ourselves in those positions and in places where you could meet people. You know what I mean? Like most people are not going to come knock on your door and go, Hey, I'm a believer. I want to love on you. You know, right. like it doesn't right. normally happen. It could, but um, so we just always, you know, we met our neighbors. We would go to different activities like community activities. And I think as a believer, you're kind of drawn to other believers. You, you know, like there's that presence about them. That's like, Oh, okay. They have something different. Um, so that was one, I think a big thing was that we always, um, made it as a permanent situation and, you know, because you don't know. And I have friends from my best friend when we were in uh, junior high, seventh grade, we're still friends. I still go visit her. You know, we hang out, we talk to each other. So that's really, you know, kind of fun, especially now with Facebook and all the social media that you yeah. can with. I mean, a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And did you find it easier to relate or connect with other military Christian families, or did you have to kind of step outside of that military community and then go find kind of some, some church community within that? That's a really great question. So the military, when we first went in, um, you know, it was a while back and didn't really have the support system that they have now, you know, they have right. some really 
support um, army family team building. They've got, you know, small groups and stuff like that for them. But what I kind of found was that there was a lot of negativity in that part. Mm. I hate to even say that, but yeah. it, it's true. You know, there's some unhappy people in the world. They don't like the changes. They don't like their husbands, you know, leaving and those kind of things. So I kind of avoided those purposely. Mm. I went, I would always go like one or two times. So they knew my face, they knew who I was. And then I looked to my church as my support. And, and that really makes the difference because then it does give you some time to be outside of the military stress because the yeah. military is very stressful. Yeah. Even if you're not changing, you know, somebody that is, you know, like they're, right. you know, possibly deployed, all those things. Um, and not that the civilian world doesn't have those same kind of stresses, but it just gives you a moment to be away, you know, and yeah. to able to connect and be like oh, okay this is real life you know right. outside of the military so we would usually go to church um outside of the church uh, outside of the post yeah and and what was the best thing that the church did for you in kind of the situation that you found yourself in so um my husband and I were married seven years and couldn't have children we both knew that so it wasn't a surprise or anything but um, we got to Panama and I just knew that God, well, we were in Korea first and I felt like God just said, I've got a baby for you. I felt it so strongly that I thought what, this is a little, you know, quirky, but I walked out <laughs> of the church that day. I'm thinking, where's my baby? You're like, God, you said I'm going to have a baby. Right. Like, Wait a couple <laughs> months, you know, nine months is what it takes to make one of those. So our next duty station was, uh, Panama six weeks after we got there, they, uh, we told everybody that we wanted to adopt, that we would meet all the strangers that we knew, cause that's what right. the advice we'd been given. And so we went there and, um, in six hours notice, we got our daughter, um, the wow. missionary brought her. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And so with the church stepping in and just really mentoring because now I'm a new mom and really had no concept of what to do with a baby. Like all that time I was like, no, I don't want a baby. I don't want to have children. God, you're, you're great. You brought me this man and I can't have children. We're all good. Right. And God changed the, uh, the terms, or at least he finally revealed them. And he's yeah. like, no, no, you can be a mom. So we had a four month old little girl that we adopted and just the church was our family. We really saw how, how God develops the church, his bride to be a family. Yeah. So, and I like, for some reason, my brain just got stuck into this idea of like having orders domestically. And I'm like, wait, no, like you said Panama. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. You had orders internationally, which I think poses an additional layer of complexity over it. Yeah, it it definitely did. But it was also easier. You know, in Panama, adopting a baby was at that time, we're talking about 32 years ago. So I just told my daughter's age. Um, But uh, so it wasn't so hard like it is in the States. But both of our adoptions, we adopted a son later when we were in the States. And we joke around because he was from New York City. And we um, say that's our other foreign country that we adopted from. We were in Alabama at the time. So that's why. Again, though, that was our military connections that allowed us to know um, that this baby was available in New York. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's pretty cool. Wow. That's incredible. But also like getting connected to the church community in, in foreign countries, it looks a little bit different. It does. It's actually easier. Um, okay. Because, and the reason I say that is that here in the States, we tend to, our faith is just sort of, you know, part of who we are. You know, it's like a, uh, I call it, it's more situational. It's not, it's not a relationship, you know, so much like, especially if you're in the South, you're just kind of expecting 
expected to go to church, but you're not except expected necessarily to live all for God and to, you know, be black and white about it basically. Right. But so like when we were in Panama, there was so much stuff that you know, like voodoo and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that was around. So it was very easy to see that spiritual battle going on. Right. That we, I think that Satan here in the States kind of softens it or makes us feel like it's softened, but it's not. Right. And so very like you're either for the Lord or you're not in Panama is how it was. Yeah. Um, and Korea the same way. So that was, yeah. Wow. Experience. That's incredible. And also I've heard that South Korea has like one of the largest Christian populations too in the world. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I got to go. I can't think remember the name of the church, but that church that's like you know thousands of people that go to it. Um, I actually got to go. Our our uh, choir was invited from the chapel because at that time we we're going to the chapel, and um, we got to go there. And I didn't really know anything about the church. This was before you get to Google anything, you know. Right. Why. And so we show up and there's like 16, 20 of us, whatever, in this little choir. And we're standing there. And all of a sudden, um, as we're singing, um, this choir of angels were like, oh, my gosh, so behind. And I finally I'm like, oh, they're right behind us. There's like a hundred and something people back behind us. So they were just you know, enjoying the service. But yeah, it was yeah. fun because I was like, I've gone to heaven. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Uh so kind of bringing it back to the present, what, how do you make sure that you find your one-on-one time with God? So your wife, a mom, a grandma, you know, you're moving, you have all these fun kind of, I don't want to call, call them side hustles because <laughs> yeah, they are, <laughs> they are, but also it doesn't feel like that. You have, you have all these other projects that, that are going on. How do you make sure that you find your one-on-one time with God and like, you're able to like cultivate your faith in that way. Well, a couple of things. Um, I try to, um, so I listen to the the word, like when I go to sleep, I just put it on and I fall asleep to the word, which is really cool to be able to do that. And being an empty nester now, it's pretty easy. I can do it whenever I want, you know, and having my schedule that I have, I'm able to say, you know what, I'm going to do this from eight to nine. But back when I did have children at home, um, they knew if they came in the room and saw me with my Bible open, you know, that it was like, that was my time. And and also one of the things I really recommend people do is create a space that is a cozy space. We did that in every single house we were at. And the cozy space was where we'd have conversations with the kids that maybe were pretty strong or, you know, emotional, but it was also the place that was a cuddle spot. And it was a place that we um, or myself would sit and read the word. And so that was my time to be with the Lord. Um, So that for me, I think creating the space makes you, when you walk by it, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be sitting there and remind you without being harsh, you know, it's like, oh yeah, let's, let's go in there and spend some time with the Lord. Yeah. So tell me about this cozy space. Like what is in it? Like, how did you start it? Because I'm also thinking like everyone listening is like, I want a cozy space. (laughs) No, everyone should have a cozy space. It's that place that's not in the middle of everything that you can get quiet in. It's usually a place that has really beautiful sunlight in it. Um, It's not too hot, not too cold. It's just that beautiful place. And you make it beautiful with a soft light. Um, a cozy chair that you want to, or we always had a love seat because, or, or an oversized one, like a chair that like two or three people could sit in, but it's supposed to be a chair. And I always made sure I bought one of those or had one in that. It's basically a corner, you know, like if you talk about your prayer closet, this was my, uh, my corner that I had instead. And 
I would do that no matter where we're at. And am I, I'm noticing that my kids are starting to create those too, which I think mm. is really cool. That's beautiful. Yeah. I have, I have this chair in my office and it's funny enough. My husband calls it my pouting chair. So like when I'm angry, I like go sit in this chair, like I'm putting myself in timeout, but it's it. also like the most, you, it's one of those chairs that's big enough that you can tuck your legs up in and yes. like still comfortably sit in it. And so I'm like, that would be the chair that would go in my cozy space. Yeah. So typically I would have a, a nice light that I could, you know, see my Bible, you know, with, but also um, not glaring. So it's just, it really keeps it in that cozy sort of, you know, coffee house sort of feeling, you know, how yeah. they have those couches and stuff. Yeah. And then um, usually a table so I can make sure I have my coffee, you know, I've got to put yeah. my coffee there. Um, so yeah, that was what we did. And I, I found too, like when I'm creating spaces or environments like that, kind of having everything set up in like a state of permanency in that place, yep. that way, when you're sitting there, I'm also like, I have shiny object syndrome. So like, I'm like, if I need to get up to go get a, like a pen or something, I might get distracted by something else and, yeah. and go off on a tangent and then like lose my spot. Um, so like having that, having a place that's kind of like prepared for what you're doing. Well, our body has like those memories of, you know, or I'm not sure how muscle men memory, you know, basically. So like my office that I have that I write in, I speak, you know, do things like this. Um, that's all I do in there. I don't play games on my computer in there. I only work in that space. And so when I go in there, my body's ready to be, or my mind or whatever, you know, is ready to be like, okay, it's time to work. The same yeah. thing with the cozy spot. When I sit in the cozy spot, it's like, okay, this is time to unplug, get, you know, just relax here. And what's nice about that too, is if you do that, it teaches your children like, oh, I'm in this space. This is my cozy spot. This is my quiet place you know, so to get quiet with your spirit, not quiet, like maybe still talk, but right. And it really trains them that way. I think a lot of moms, especially young moms have a hard time with their children, um, teaching them that, and you just have to, I mean, that's just something, and you'll be glad that you did, you know, you yeah. spent the time saying when we're here, this is, you know, kind of like a library, you know, right. not, but yeah. You know. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So you have your cozy space and you kind of have your routine. And I think that, um, working from home, cause you work remote. Um, I work remote too, for my job. I think it adds a layer of simplicity and complexity at the same time Absolutely. when it comes to our routine and our rhythms through, throughout our life. It's very easy to get sucked into things on off hours and it's very easy to get distracted by things on, on hours. Exactly. So how do you balance that for yourself? I put it on my schedule. Um, definitely. I put it on the schedule. I'm not like super strict about it, but I once heard, I think it was a pastor was talking about, like, we put all these different things on our schedule, work, a doctor appointment, whatever. But the most important thing is our relationship with Christ. And we never put it on the schedule. So he said, the first thing you do, just like you tithe, you know, with your money, yeah. tithe with your time. So when you're going to say, okay, this is what we're doing next week. The first thing is I go to church or I'm you know, going to spend my quiet time at this time. And then again, it goes back to that muscle memory that says, you know what, this is my routine. This is what my body feels good when I, when I do this, not all like hoodie duty, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Right. But naturally that's who we are. We yeah. feel better when we're with the Lord. So putting it on my schedule really makes a difference. Mm. And also being in a Bible study keeps me accountable. Yeah. Um, nice. I like that when I'm in a Bible study, I notice that I'm better at it when I have 
you know, other ladies that I'm going to meet with and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> they're going to be like, so how was your week? Uh, you know, and yeah. the week that you don't sit down and spend time with it, I can almost guarantee you is a crazy week for you. But even yeah. if everything's going crazy and you spend time with the Lord, your, your day just doesn't feel as out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll even like, you know, second and third, that accountability piece. Cause like, even, even with my husband and I, we don't do it every night, but like every now and then at the end of the day, he'll be like, how did you see God move in your life today? And I'm like, did I even pay attention to God today? Like, yeah, real talk. Like that's a real life sometimes. And, yeah. and it's, you know, having that accountability is like a gut check of like, Ooh, like, did I even like talk to God? Did he even like did I even consider him today in the midst of everything else that was going on? I think too, the more you mature in your faith, um, it becomes such a natural routine for you that, you know, like I was saying about every conversation I have somehow or another turns around to God or, you know, um, and I don't do it on purpose. I mean, just, just who I am, just, you know, right. what God says, what you put in comes out. And so that makes a difference. And um, eventually people will stop wanting to talk to you about anything but the Lord. So it's like, okay. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think too, there's a lot of shame and maybe stigma over the need to schedule in these things. And I think that we have to, as a culture, accept the fact that we are far, we have a lot of stimulus happening more than other generations and cultures that came before us. Absolutely. I always say that being a mom or dad today is way harder than when my kids were younger. I mean, I, I admire anybody that does it well, because I mean, you've got the whole world fighting against you wanting to come into your home and, and, and their friends and their family. I mean, we had problems a little bit when our kids were in high school that, you know, we raised them a certain way and they would go over to a friend's house that was a Christian home but um, they just weren't as strong in their faith, maybe, or maybe didn't implement it as much, you know? And, right. Um, and so, you know, there's some criticism, but we're like, you know what? We're going to do what we're going to do. Our son was funny. He um, would get mad at us because we wouldn't let him go to parties where they were drinking. Yeah. And, uh, in high school, you know, and he yeah. Would tell us, yeah, he would always say, yeah, they're going to be drinking. So we're like, why would we let you go? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. But now as an adult, he's like, oh yeah, that was that was really good. I'm glad you guys watched out for me, you know, yeah. so um, just having to that accountability, I was going to say that we want to make sure that we're giving grace to, you know, whenever yeah. anybody's struggling and remember their seasons. I remember when my babies were little and our son was, he was like 10 and one. I mean, he just was active and people are funny. They would come up to me and say, Oh, he's so busy. I'm like, oh, I didn't notice. <laughs> I'm like, frazzled right but, um, I would get a little jealous I think of when I'd go to Bible studies and there's these older women there that you know had nobody at home to take care of but themselves and they'd get through their whole Bible study where I might have three days done you know right and, um what I just had some really great mentors that said you know what you'll do what you can um and um it's just a season, you know, there'll be a season later that you'll be able to spend hours with the Lord if that's what you want, but just remember to give yourself grace. And God does give us that, you know, he's not yeah. expecting 24 hours a day for us to, you know, he knows we have kids. He knows we have a schedule, you know, so right. it's not a surprise to him. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, having those moments where like they say, you know, glitter gets just everywhere. And I think like, we just need to make 
god our glitter and just like have him everywhere so yeah. as we're moving throughout our day we find oh there's a piece of glitter like I love that I love that <laughs> I, I once heard and it's probably been around a lot but that is there enough if being a Christian was against the law is there enough uh Christ in your life around your environment and who you talk about what you say who you hang out with to convict you mm-hmm. and you so you look around your home if somebody walks in your home can they tell you're a believer that's important. Not that you're doing it to show off or to be that, you know, um, Pharisee, whatever, but just that you, you, that's just who you are. Like, you know, my son brought me a cross, him and his wife brought me this beautiful cross. It has parts from, you know, the old country in it. And I'm just very symbolic. And um, I thought that was so neat. You know, so I've got that on my wall, you know, they asked me about it. I was like, Oh yeah, this is what this means. And, you know, so um, I just think that we need to make sure that when we're there, when we're in our home, that when we look around, we can tell, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, not only can, if, if, you know, if Christianity was made to be illegal, not only like, can we stay in conviction, but can we still sit in our faith? You know, do we know the word enough? Do we, are we surrounded by people who know the word enough? Do we have enough inputs in our life to be able to sustain that? Exactly. Um, One of the things that we've always looked for is um, really great mentors. And and sometimes mentors are a little bit younger than you. They're not always older. Um, You know, as far as their faith, they may be way further than you are. But surrounding yourself with those kind of people that when you go to them and say, you know what, I got an issue. I just don't know what to do. Instead of, you know, becoming a a nag fest or whatever, it's it's you guys sitting down praying together, you know, them showing you the word that where that can heal, you know, whatever the situation is. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it might, it might be flippant, but one thing that I've been doing, so I work in social media, so I'm on social media all the time. And one thing that I've been starting to do with like my personal accounts, I've just started been like engaging with other Christian accounts that just talk about Jesus and, you know, other, just other believers. And I've noticed such like an attitude shift in me in my heart, when I'm intaking all of this, like goodness, I guess, via Instagram versus, you know, the things of like, I want to be, or things that stir up jealousy or, you know, longing in me for things of this world that don't belong. Right. And and so it was so interesting because I, it's, it's been slow and it's been happening over the past, like, two months or so, but it's like, oh, this is like so much more fulfilling to have these kinds of people speaking into my life via Instagram versus things that will pull me away from God. Absolutely. Um, I just recently heard that um, how a, di- a whale dies and a whale is a mammal, so it yeah. needs air to breathe, but it lives in this water, you know, all its life. And eventually it drowns is how it dies. Mm. And I'm like, how could a whale die like that? You know, but he was, right. he was comparing it to, um, you know, us as believers, we're here in this world, but we're not of the world. You know, we, we right. might be able to breathe in it, but it's not our constant place. So having to remember ourselves that who we are, you know, and, but doing it on social media, it's so funny because people have always like, oh, there's so much negative on there. I'm like, not on mine. There's not. And I really don't. Right. Because that's right. not, I, I don't allow those kind of people into my life. And that's something that's really important. It goes back to boundaries. I'm, I'm yeah. so love the book boundaries. Um, yeah. If you have a chance to read book. it. Uh, and yeah. I, I preach about it all the time. About <laughs> boundaries. 
And when you have great boundaries, you don't have to worry about all that junk coming in because it's like, yeah. no, you aren't going to put it on there. If they do, you take it off, you know? Yeah. And I think too, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I mean, I work in social media, so it has to do with my job. But I think one thing that I talk to other small businesses about, because I get a lot of questions when I, when I'm coaching marketing and they're like, what do I do about negative comments? And like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's your space. Like you were talking about with the cozy space. Yeah. It's your space. You get to dictate what is in your space. And same with social media and your online presence. It's yours. You can, you are choosing to be there. And yes, like meta owns, you know, half the world at this point, but like you're creating this community and this energy around what you're doing and you get to decide what's in there. Yeah. And you have to remember too, that I think Jesus can uh, read social media. <laughs> yeah, so Absolutely. Um, not that I think he has, you know, a laptop or anything, but you know, he knows what's going on there. So you want to make sure that wherever you are, you're representing who you are, no matter yeah. where that's at. If it's a, with your friends or with strangers at work, you know, in your car, <laughs> with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I know my husband had this really neat um, uh, guy that he worked with, but the guy was a little higher rank than him. And he would not allow people to curse around him. And this is mm-hmm. in the army, which is very yeah. difficult. Not oh, yeah. Happen. But if people were going to curse, he was like, you need to leave my office. And he would make them leave his office, no matter what rank they were. He was like, this is a cuss-free zone. And I was so impressed with that because, I mean, that was probably when we were really new believers. And so it was yeah. like, oh, you can't do that. But I remember back to my dad telling me when I was in high school, he's like, people will talk to you how you allow them to talk to you. So it goes back to that same thing with social media. It's like, if you stand there and let all that junk get on there yeah. or in your job, even in your job, you still don't need to have people talking like that, but you can't talk like that either. Right. So if you're talking trash, then it's like, you're sending mixed messages. You can't, you can't do that. You either have to be for the Lord or not. So. Yeah. And I think it's just like, it's these little things that we can set up in our life to create the boundaries. So we are just more set up for mm-hmm. finding God's glitter in our life. <laughs> my uh, my son was funny because he didn't want me to meet uh, this other family pe- people, this group of people. I'm not gonna say it was, but yeah. Um, and I was like, why? He's like, well, they curse, and I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> so I'm like, but you know, I can still be at a dinner with them. I don't have to be all you know the whole time with them. But right. I got to love on them, and they actually started calling me Sister Dee because I pray. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I'm like, okay. And they know I pray for them. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, So kind of rounding out this conversation, what is one thing and this, like, I I wrote this question and then as I've been asking um, other guests on this, I'm like, I'm like really putting y'all on blast, Um, but I'm just going to go for it. But what is the biggest struggle you have when it comes to practicing your faith? Um, is actually sitting down and reading my Bible, you know, and what makes me mad with that is that I love reading my Bible. So like why it's, it's getting the noise out of your life. I think is really what, um, is the case. Turn off your phone, put put it away from you whatever. Um, because you, you need that time. It's like it feeds you. That's your food. And you got to spend time with that. And I really do struggle with that too. And that's one of the reasons that I've kind of learned some other ways. Like we listen to praise music in our car. We, right. you know, listen to the God's word, you know, when we go to sleep uh, or if I wake up or whatever, but um, just having, making sure I put those moments in there is really, it has to be intentional. 
It doesn't yeah. just happen. And so yeah. that's what I'm learning to do more and more. It's like, it's to be an old lady. For sure. And, and and the other thing on this is like, I don't want anyone listening to think like, we got it down pat. Oh, like, no. like, like we're, n- we're not perfect. Like I very much struggle to like sit down and read my read scripture mostly because I get in my own head where I'm like I'm I'm more of like a studier and a processor Mm -hmm. so when I like sit down I like go through this like rabbit trail and it like it takes me a lot longer than I intend to and I know it's going to take me a lot longer so I don't do it Um, well I'm a type a uh, extreme extrovert so to sit down and be quiet has always been a struggle for me yeah but as I get older I will say it's a lot easier now than it used to be but definitely just making your getting quiet you know is is probably my biggest struggle Mm. yeah I mean but we have to put the things in our life to help us where we do struggle put the routines and the boundaries and the reminders and the schedulers in our life so we can remember that. Well, Didi, I always like to wrap up the conversations with what is one thing that someone can do after listening to this podcast? What is one thing that they can do in their life to help grow their faith, to practice a spiritual discipline, whatever it might be, get them closer to God this week? One of the things that we did and still do, even this this move, my 51st house that I'm living in, um, I started praying as soon as we knew we were going to move that um, God would bring um, Christian friends and Christian mentors to us. Um, I always ask, and I also pray for my neighbors, you know, that God would bring somebody in that's like, we could be coffee neighbors. You know, it's always my thing. I was like, if you have coffee, even before I started drinking coffee, I was just like, you know, somebody that I could spend time with. And it was neat because when we were in Korea and, you know, we had a couple of um, mentors there, but not real strong, uh, but that's really where we started getting to know the Lord. And we're like, oh, okay, but now we're going to Panama. We don't know anybody. So I just asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, please let us have one mentor, especially for Seth, my husband, who's, who's in the battle really, because I was a stay at home mom at the time. And he had to go in and do the battle of, you know, being with the army, you know, and and still standing strong as a, a believer. But um, so he, we got to Panama and it was so neat because we went to this church off post that we didn't know you know anything about. We just went there and it was a Panamanian and an American speaking um, or English speaking congregation that had two different services. And so what we found out later, but not very long afterwards, that most of the uh, missionaries in that area that were in the jungle, they would come for their time in the city to our church that we went to. Also, almost everybody in there, either they were military or they were retired military. But the third thing was they were teachers in the Panama Canal Zone, mm. like teachers, like they're just naturally mentors. You know, it was so neat. Right. So God didn't just give us one mentor. He gave us a whole church full. Mm. That's where we changed. We changed so much that my mom actually went to a, a pastor here in the States and said, I think my daughter and son-in-law are in a cult. <laughs> And the pastor was like, well, what's going on? So she told him, and he's like, I wish all people were in that kind of cult. I mean, it was just such a neat wow. experience of those mentors speaking. I mean, it changed us completely, you know, our whole yeah. way of thinking, the way we live. And I mean, it was just not that we were crazy wild or anything before, but it just yeah. made us more intentional. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. And so, just yeah. being kind of saturated with it. Oh, well. yeah. That's a great word. Yeah. We were saturated and loved it and still do. So we still have mentors that I just got a message two days ago from my, um, from one of my great mentors that I had. She lives in Florida. 
And she's like, hey, you're doing great. You know, she saw that I was getting my book coming out. So I thought that's really neat to continue to have that. And I'm 58. So I still need encouragement, you know. Yeah. So, so for all those listening, be praying about Christian friends and Christian mentors. And if you have one in your life that you haven't talked to about it, uh, I'll be praying for a spirit of boldness and that you do take that step out. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that is awesome prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So Dee, thank you so much for this conversation. And you've mentioned this a few times and I want to learn more. Where can people find you and what's this book you're talking about? So um, my website is Dee Dee Lake. So it's D-E-E-D-E-E. My mom and dad love E's and D's, I think. So com, And you can find me there. But also, um, you can also email me. It's D2, like the number two. So D squared, basically. <laughs> but uh, my book is, I started writing a book when we were in Panama, where we really started changing our lives. Uh, it's a Christian romance set in a military setting. And 30 something years ago, I started writing this. And over the years, I've had encouragers. Well, a few years back, I, I met somebody and she's now my co-author. And we have seven books coming out in this Rules of Engagement series. I'll show you the first one. The first yes. one's a novella. It's right there. It's oh Camouflage Christmas, Operation Camouflage Christmas. The next one is actually the first in the series. This was just kind of a little beforehand, you know, thing. Gotcha. But um, it's kind of get you interested. But it follows this family, this great family that all five of their kids are connected to the military somehow. We talk about all kinds of different issues that military families have. Just we wanted to highlight the military lifestyle as a believer. And so yeah. your your um podcast was exactly like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what we're writing about. So the next yeah. one comes out operation allegiance comes out on the 21st I of March. It. That's so exciting. Well, thank you so much, Dee Dee. And, uh, everyone go buy her book for, um, any teens in your life. They'll, yeah. Oh, that's for adults too. Yeah. It's adults, for, adults. Yeah, and it's teens. clean romance. So it's clean romance. But, so young yeah. adults, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put them in the young adults. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you so much, Dee Dee. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks Paige.